eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Brian Ferentz officially out as Iowa's offensive coordinator news came Monday morning, but it had been hinted a little bit earlier and rumors were swirling uh, on as early as Sunday night. Honestly, Sean, I mean, I think this was an expected outcome, I'll say, uh, just as far as Brian Ferentz departing after the season, but we have a lot of questions to get to moving forward. But David Eichel, Sean Bach, 24-7 Sports. Still time to hop on board at 60% off a VIP subscription to Hawkeye Insider. Thank you for everybody that has done that so far. Uh, but I want to get the bull by the horns, Sean. Let's just dive right into it. Huge change uh, for Iowa football next season as Brian Ferentz, the son of head coach Kirk Ferentz, will no longer be with the program. And that was executed by Beth Getz, who is Iowa's interim athletic director. And the verbiage of the note was interesting, Sean. She goes, after conversations with Kirk, Brian, and President Wilson, I informed Kirk and Brian that it, Brian would not return. So that tells me by that verbiage that she she terminated him. And, of course, the rollover agreement was not going to happen because of 25 points a game. We'll get to Kirk's press conference a little bit later in the podcast. But let's just get right into this. Sean, instant kind of reaction to what's been an incredibly eventful last 40 hours or so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it feels weird to think that there's a game this weekend, honestly. And I think – I know we'll dive into Kirk Ferentz's comments later on, but, I mean, I kind of think – he said what we've all been thinking. I mean, we know that obviously offense needs to change. There's something that needs to be different. There's, you know, there's so many things that are broken with it. And there's, I mean, you can look at injuries. Obviously that was the first thing that was pointed out. Scheme is definitely not where it needs to be. The route tree, there are so many different factors, offensive line play, so many different things that come into play here for the reason of this offense being so bad the last couple of years was so inconsistent, but the timing of it is just, just what makes it all that more fascinating to me because yes, this is Kirk Ferentz's football program and it has always been Kirk Ferentz's football program, but to see that Beth Getz was not afraid to, put her toes into the water and or really just put her foot down and say, okay, this is, this is going on long enough. There needs to be, there needs to be a new direction. And that's what really caught my eye because we, I mean, you mentioned it, you called me Sunday night and you told me what was going on and 
you know, I kind of heard rumblings a couple weeks before of this potentially being, you know, the last straw. And there's certain things they hear that are kind of weird and just that are different. And it really seemed to be heating up the last couple of weeks and obviously came all, came all down yesterday, Monday. Um, but to just see how it happened and just that statement was very, very, just very eye-opening. Yeah. And that's where I think, I think that's where a lot of the questions lie because that seemed to really change the tone of the press conference today with how the questions were asked. No doubt. I mean, you know, to be fair, Brian, I've always said he's, he's a great offensive line coach. He's going to bounce back, but it was time for Iowa to go in a different direction. And people, for the people who have said like, Brian could go down to offensive line coach. There's too much toxicity. There's too much turmoil And, you know, nobody wants to be demoted, especially in the same program, right? I mean, with all that was going on around him, it was time for him to leave. And I think it's it's interesting, too, because I thought Beth did a pretty good PR job. I'm sure she meant it, but she said, you know, I hope people recognize all he's done as a player, as a coach, as an alumni. Like, Brian Ferentz has given a lot to Iowa football and a good portion of his life. And he's as passionate as – they come but just for the full context let me read beth gets statement uh that confirmed the news that 24 7 sports reported earlier that day anyone who loves iowa football recognizes both the success and challenges that have brought attention to our program this season our struggles on offense coupled with the offensive coordinator's contract make this a unique situation i think she kind of threw a subtle shade at gary because that was just a stupid contract negotiation a stipulation, especially to make it public, but continuing on. After conversations with head coach Kirk Ferentz, coach Brian Ferentz, and President Wilson, I informed Brian that our intention is for him to be with us through the bowl game, but this is his last season with the program. Making this known today is the best interest of the program and its loyal fans. It provides clarity during this pivotal time in the schedule. And she also kind of reaffirmed that it is not my practice to be involved in assistant coaching decisions and certainly not to make public such a change during a season. Our priority is to put all our student athletes in the position to have both short-term and long-term success on off the field. Our football team has an outstanding group of young men, talented athletes who at six and two have a lot to play for as a former athlete. I know every opportunity to put on the Jersey is a cherished one as Hawkeyes. Let's continue to support all our coaches, staff, student athletes in the pursuit of a big 10 championship in a bowl game victory. So I know people kind of were raising eyebrows about, oh, she left the door open for Brian to come back because she said our intention. She made clear that the intention is for Brian to finish out the season, but he's gone. And again, I think it's for the betterment of the program. And you want to bring up the timing. The timing's interesting to me. And the more I've thought about Sean, the more I'm actually a fan of it. Because with all the national punchlines going around right now about Iowa's offense, and you know, to be quite frank, rightfully so, with the transfer portal window opening in a little over a month, right? There's, I think Iowa's got some talented players on their roster, even on the offensive side of the ball. The only way you're going to be able to keep them happy and potentially staying in Iowa City is to say, hey, you know what? We're going to try changing some personnel things. We're going to do some different things. And it also makes you as sexy as possible to people who might enter the portal 
because no skill position player that enters the portal is going to be looking at Iowa with the way things are being run. It's just, it doesn't matter how much NIL money is there. So it gives you some time to finish out the season strong, to make some adjustments, to think about how you want to attack the portal in the off season, and then at least make yourself look as presentable as possible. And at the same time, a fan base that's boiling over temperature wise intention wise to know, Hey, Brian's not coming back. Yes. It's still Kirk at the helm. We'll get into that a little bit later as well, but just from a recruiting standpoint, keeping your, you know, 2024 class together. I personally think it was a really smart idea to make it in season and it should not be that big of a distraction to finish out the season strong. Yeah. I just think from the standpoint of that was kind of eye opening to Kirk and company because if there's ever changes or if anything is different, it's the end of the year. It doesn't happen midway through the year. I mean, yes, we're more than halfway through the year, but it doesn't happen at this time. The timing the timing of it was just really fascinating to me. And, I mean, the thing with Brian, too, from a recruiting perspective, is he's not tied to many of the 2024 commits, except for James mm-hmm. Rizar, the – four-star quarterback from uh, Bishop Kenny in Jacksonville, who I talked to last night and sounded like he's pretty confident. He's all in with Iowa right now. Um, He has belief that Kirk Ferentz will hire someone that can, you know, take over the reins and be a really good, really good switch to that offensive group. Um, But it's just interesting to me because you say, you see with Getz there, in her statement, she's saying herself that there's a lot to play for. There's a lot left to play for. And there is. And I think a lot of people took that Minnesota loss as kind of, okay, this is like, this isn't going to happen how we thought it was going to happen. It was Big Ten West or bust. But there is still plenty of time for the Big Ten West. But also, yes, you can blame it on personnel. Yes, you can blame it on injuries or you can you can say those types of things. But I wonder if that offensive performance against Minnesota was the final straw because I think of the lowest of lows, that was probably up there for one of the worst in terms of the Brian Ferentz era. And maybe that was just – they just fell those right at that point. Yeah, and somebody did ask Beth if if Iowa had won that game against Minnesota, if they would have she would have felt the same way. And she, you know, here's here's why I'd say about that. And Beth kind of shut that down too. Beth is incredibly smart. She chooses her words carefully, but she attacks things directly. Whether you like her the answer or not. I think she's been evaluating over the course since she started her time at Iowa she doesn't make rash decisions she means she's been a standing athletic director you know for Ball State she her resume speaks for itself she's a former athlete a former assistant coach a former college coach uh has been in you know athletics administration for 20 years she does not make rash decisions she would not be in the position she is without that but she also stands firm to her decision and I think that's something that's been very interesting to me talking to her for a few minutes after the press conference when she was asked about the timeline of events, she just said, I appreciate the question, but we're leaving all that private. And 
somebody asked if she would have if she was nervous about because she's the interim athletic director and she has flat out said it's my responsibility i'm, I'm going to do what i'm told and i think that and this is something that's interesting to me too sean we'll get back to brian in a second but this is the first time in a long time that kirk ferentz got checked because I know Gary Bardo is the previous athletic director, but I think everyone kind of knows without actually saying it that Kirk Ferentz runs the athletic department or did with, with, with Gary Bardo at the helm. Right. And I think Kirk is a little bit pissed. I think he's a little bit uncomfortable that Beth was not afraid to kind of check him on it. Uh, is that kind of your reaction or kind of give me your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, based on what he his tone today and based on how he answered these questions and just the tone and you know, it's you knew going into it that it was gonna be one of those classic Kirk Barron's press conferences where he wasn't going to give you a ton. And yes, he's kinda done he's been able to present more, I think, in the last couple of years. Now that he's gotten a little bit older, I think he's become a little more open with certain things or a little more opinionated. But you could definitely tell that there was some discomfort with how some of the questions came across, what he was being pressed on, and just the situation as a whole. Like, yes, maybe the idea that maybe if that press release didn't come out from Beth Getz, that it would have been a little bit better. But I think the fact that not only was he the one that what, or she was the one that made the decision. There's also four games left in the regular season. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, that's coach speak when Kirk says that he's worried about these four games more than he is about the offense coordinator search. I mean, you can say that, but I think it's pretty true that, honestly, he's probably a lot more worried about Northwestern in these next couple games as he is opposed to the offense coordinator search. Like, okay, he's a human. That's always going to be in the back of his mind. But I still think there's some very, like, legitimacy to that coach speak too. No, I think you're right. And, you know, it was interesting listening to Beth after as well, and she was kind of asked about if she would be involved in the offensive coordinator search. And she just said, you know, I'm going to trust the coach that's in place. But, of course, there's going to be donors. There's going to be athletic administration, at least a part of the conversation. But I still think, ultimately, Beth has a lot of faith in Kirk. But I don't know if it's reciprocated right now from Kirk's perspective because of the flare of emotions. And something that will be interesting to watch moving forward, Sean, is one thing that that how I knew Kirk was pissed, and I think we all kind of again assumed that when he was asked about, uh, you know, just kind of making changes in general during the season. He just said, "I don't like making changes in the middle of the season because emotions can be running high. I think it's important to take a step back and evaluate things." And I, I don't know, I just kind of linked that with his retirement talk when he was asked about, you know, will you defend over your turn next year? Kirk did not answer that. Let me read you the question. I think it was uh, Chad Lysko at the Wind Register. He said, in light of the things that have transpired, are you definitively returning yourself next season or is that still up in the air? 
things are always as they are to worry about this game and bigger scale, bigger picture for these four games. That's where my focus has been the entire season. Obviously, there was more than four games a week ago, two weeks ago. That's why I think about each and every year. It's been pretty consistent, just like the other things I referenced. So I thought that was an interesting quote because I think it was a year ago or two years ago we asked Kirk, because it feels like we ask him this at, at this point almost every year about what his plans are because, again, he's the dean of college football. He's been at Iowa for 25 years, right? But last time I remember asking him about it, he mentioned that he doesn't go on a year-by-year plan. He goes on a five-year plan. on like a five-year plan at this point. So to see the kind of mood switch up like that, I don't know if I'm really ready to buy that Kirk might throw it in the towel after all of this because I think emotions are high right now. I think he is truly wanting to finish the season and try to make the most out of the opportunity that's still there. But I think he'll take – I seriously do think he's going to take some time and kind of contemplate where he's at. And I, I did follow up that question with what what's the professional relationship like moving forward with Beth if she gets the full-time job because she fired his son. I didn't phrase it exactly like that, but you, you get the drift. And the thing he said was the only thing I'm looking forward to right now is Saturday. It's been that way each and every week of my career. And that's how you operate when you're in season. There's a chain of command, in everything we do. They reference Tate and Fry. Uh, and he, he just said there's a chain of command to everything, and I respect that, and we move forward. Like, there wasn't a lot of strong statements, I think, during the press conference, but I think it was what was more unspoken than anything else that really kind of painted the picture for me and my kind of final takeaways from it. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to point at that because, I mean, Kirk's not the type of guy to give the media a lot of material when it comes yeah. to like very quotable tweets. And I mean, I know he's been more open, like in the last couple of years, I feel like, um, I mean, nothing becomes more like not bulletin board material. Nothing becomes more quotable than the, what's the upside quote yeah. that Brian had a couple of years ago or last year. Um, and rightfully That's so. But, yeah. And I don't think Kirk is going to be one that gives a lot of her, that gives a lot of, uh, you know, clarity or a lot of like valid opinions on stuff that he's not overly comfortable with sharing. Like sure. he'll talk about, he'll talk about experiences with people. He'll talk about like times in his coaching career or like he, he's one that always likes to go back to like certain moments um, in time. But I think when there's a pressing relationship, something or not pressing relation, but I think there's one 
when there's a big topic or something like that, he's not one to really be open about, you know, how that relationship is. Cause he's not going to come up and say straight up, like, I disagree with the decision, even though yeah. he kind of felt like he did a little bit today, but he's not going to say, cause how do you think that would make, that would make tensions even worse if he comes out and says something straight up about, you know, Beth and being like, I totally disagree or, you know, I totally like, I don't know how it'll impact our relationship, stuff like that. I'm sure there was some, I'm sure I know there were discussions behind the scenes and, you know, I think that's where Kirk's true feelings were left out. And, you know, he's just going to leave it, going to leave it behind the scenes because that stuff's not open to the public or, you know, they don't want that stuff out there because that can cause a big rift, you know, between the football the program and the athletic department. So I don't know. It uh, obviously the wit his tone today, as we said before, was definitely frustrated or maybe even thrown off because they have a certain way of doing things and, you know, that was, it was going against that. And that was his, one of his opening statements was it's different than we've really worked the last 24, 25 years. We've had a way of doing it. And this way was out of procedure. And yeah, that kind of tells you a lot. And it sounds like the tone too, from those inside the program are kind of taking it, you know, head on like yes the offense has been frustrating yes the offense has not been result worthy and has been unacceptable from a consistency standpoint but it sounds like a lot of people are taking you know this is kind of like a chip on the shoulder because there's been a lot of talk of Iowa it's been a mocking it a been a been a poster child for you know college football and in a bad way viewed in a negative light and it's going to be talked about nonstop the rest of the year. Like the 325 thing was one thing, but this is something completely different. You have a coach that they know they're going to fire at the end of the year. Granted, as you've reported before, as you said before, the plan was always for Brian to, or at least from what you heard, the plan was for him to go out on his own terms or do that sort of thing. But being fired and but then being able to continue out the rest of the regular season, like I'm curious of how much that has really happened. Yeah, and and again, I think that's where it gets interesting because, I mean, I, I said before, Sean, there's no plausible, there's no scenario where Brian Ferentz is coming back next year, even if this announcement hadn't come out, even if, you know, Kirk wanted to bring him back. Like I, I really think Brian would have left on his own had he not been not had all this not really happened as well, at least from talking to people that's kind of the vibe that I got as well but the thing that really sat in with me and I think I'm I'm curious if this changes over the next month and a half though Sean was when he talked about the offense what do you reference he referenced the injuries you cannot blame this offense on the injuries I know you lost Cade McNamara I know you lost Luke Lachey I know you lost Eric All I know the running backs have been banged up Utah still finding a way to move the ball, and they're more injured than Iowa. And Iowa has a good, de- great defense, elite special teams. I would argue the best special teams in the country from a returner, kicking, and punting standpoint. If that's his philosophy and mindset moving forward, that's a dangerous place for Iowa football to be in. 
And the other thing is, and I, of course I expected Kirk to get full control of his next offensive coordinator. I personally think it's a mistake if he doesn't get full control. I just don't think that's plausible in, in college football. You have to have that relationship, right? And this is no disrespect to John Budmeyer or, or anybody else, but Sean, like if you hire a guy that runs similar stuff to, to Brian and that isn't going to challenge Kirk, don't even make the change. And I'm not I'm not advocating that Brian should should stay because somebody had to go, somebody had to be accountable for the offense. But I've always said, especially with the past year and a half, this is not just Brian, that was not just Brian Ferentz's offense. Kirk's biggest test awaits, assuming he comes back next year. His biggest test is can he hire the right offensive coordinator and can he take his hands off the offense? And when you talk about the consistency, you talk about how Kirk's operated the same way for 25 years. That'd be his biggest change yet. And I quite honestly, Sean, I don't know if he can do it. Yeah. I I mean you're around Kirk. I'm not saying he can't. With... I just I just don't know if he can do it or not. Right. To mean we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And you know how attractive is I mean, Iowa's a good job for an offense coordinator. Like you will make good money. There's a good fan base. You got a root improving nil base if you win you're treated like a god and you know it's really okay you can be an attractive program to recruit if you're an offensive coordinator you have a running back in liddell running backs coach liddell betts who has nfl experience wide receiver obviously you'd like to see that improve the offensive line has really had an uptick in talent and Iowa speaks for itself when it comes to tight end. And there's been some successful quarterbacks at Iowa. Brad Banks is a little too far away to make that pitch to a quarterback. Yeah. Nate Stanley had a really good college career. C.J. Beathard was really good. Ricky Stanzi had his moments, but I think you would more reference Stanley and uh, Beathard. Yep. So you have a pitch that maybe is a little tarnished from the last couple of years. But you have guys on your staff that are pretty good. And, you know, you can make an attraction. And Iowa Iowa is king when it comes to in-state recruiting right now. And as long as Iowa keeps winning, as long as Kirk Ferentz is here, I don't see that changing. Yeah. So you have a lot working for you. And the talent around here is good. You got states like Minnesota, Indiana, Illinois – Wisconsin, even Iowa now, that have pretty good quarterbacks that you can recruit. And, I mean, Iowa even dipped into Florida for a four-star quarterback that runs a four-six-seven. Yeah. So there's a lot of resources here. You have a head coach who's connected in the NFL. You got a head coach who knows a lot of people. You got a staff that knows a lot of people. You know, got a staff that really knows their stuff. So there's a lot – in Iowa, if you know if it's the right guy, they can pay a lot of money for him. You can get a decent amount of money, and yeah. the Big Ten. I mean, that's what the second the biggest deal. conference. In, yeah, second biggest conference in college football after this year. So there's there's I a lot working so. for Iowa. I mean, I'd also SEC throw in Abdul Hodge with the coaches too. I don't think we mentioned Abdul right. Hodge. Right, that's why I meant that's why I meant tight ends. Like you can recruit. Yeah, you wanted. Hodge is a great recruiter. Um, 
there's a lot that can be sold to come to Iowa. But like you've said, if Kirk doesn't take his hands off of it, then, you know, what's, what's, what's the point? And I get there's a way to win. Kirk, I mean, Kirk has done a great job of winning at Iowa, but you're right. I mean, what's the purpose of change if, you know, Kirk's not going to take his hands off of it a little bit? What's the upside? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, there, there's personnel. There's personnel there. I mean, tight ends are obviously injured. The offensive line, you know, Deacon Hill obviously isn't what, you know, a lot of people thought he would be coming out of high school. And, you know, you kind of put your all your bags in Kate Mac or all your eggs in the basket with Kate McNamara there and, you know, kind of mess things up a bit. But, I mean, you've had talented quarterbacks in the past. But it just didn't work out. And, you know, you got to, that's why I said the big thing recruiting wise for the next offense corner has to be, got to have that special eye for a quarterback. Because 2028, 2018 to 2022 were not good cycles for, for Iowa when it came no. to quarterback recruiting. And the other thing, too, that needs to be brought up <clears throat> in the NCAA transfer portal era, you can flip a roster very quickly. Like, you think about what Washington did, and I'll get to that in a second. Certain personnel group there. Kalen DeBoer gets there, right? The year before he got there, Sean, they were 113th in total offense. Washington was. Year one of Kalen DeBoer, they go up to 10th. This year, they're up to second. They know how to move the football. And if you get the right staff there and you're uh, and you're able to sell that to recruits, you can flip it. And as you mentioned, Iowa has resources. And quite honestly, I think they have some talent on offense. They've just not been put in a position to succeed based on the current outdated scheme. And I'm not saying, you know, Iowa has the pieces right now to be a top 50 offense, top 65 offense. I'm saying they just need – something to help jumpstart them. And again, with the portal era, you can flip the roster, but how much is Kirk going to want to dive into that? Because at some point, as great as Kirk is in so many different ways of coaching, the inability to develop wide receivers and quarterback has really, I think, plagued Iowa's offense moving forward because something that didn't get mentioned today at all from Kirk when we were talking about the offensive coordinator, we didn't talk about any quarterback play. We didn't talk about any development. We didn't talk about any total yard stats. We didn't talk about points. I think <clears throat> when I think about this, Sean, Kirk focuses so much on the end result that he doesn't understand how they got there. It doesn't matter if it's a 1950s car that can only go 23 miles an hour, has two shattered windows, three tires, or whatever else. As long as you get to the destination, in Kirk's mind, that's a win. And I think that's very comparable to Iowa football. Well, I mean, what, what's Kirk say if if Iowa beats Minnesota? Well, you know, it was a hard-fought game. Cooper made one of the best plays I've ever seen. And he does not say a word about the offense outside. You know the ball security. We got to clean that up. You know what 99% of the other coaches in America say? Our offense is embarrassing. We got no excuse for it, and we got to pick it back up, and we need to fix it. And I think that's been a consistent message where Kirk – doesn't like acknowledging the fact that Brian's his son because he knows how touchy of a subject that is. But I also think the way he 
goes about post-game press conferences, the way you kind of evaluate things. I think there's an inherent bias in him to point the finger at Brian because Brian's his son. It's an uncomfortable truth, in my opinion, and that's just from a media standpoint and reading between the lines of how he's answered questions to me in the past and some other, you know, of our colleagues. Uh, and again, that doesn't take anything away from Kirk, but something that has to change moving forward and assuming he stays on staff, Sean, I'm very curious how some of his answers change when asked about the offense. Yeah, I mean, that's – and I mean, how – that's another thing to consider, too, with the next <clears throat> offensive coordinator candidate is, you know, you're, you're stepping into a position that Kirk's son used to be in. And Kirk's son was fired from that job. What – you know, how yeah. is he going to – you know, step in and how is Kirk? I mean, Kirk's a really good guy. I mean, he's going to treat everyone on his staff well, but, you know, how much reins does he give you? You know, you, you, yeah. you got to think about that. You got to think That's about that. That's a really that. good point. How much trust, how much trust. I mean, yes, I mean, I've never coached with a family member or anything, but, you know, or even played with like a family member in sports. But at some point, it's like they're family. I mean, you trust them with everything. Yeah. There's a lot of trust when it comes with family. You know, how much trust is there going to be with that next guy? You know? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. And the other thing that I've said, too, and I'll kind of wrap this up on this. I know we can keep going about this for hours. I mean, there's going to be plenty of – offensive coordinator and Brian Ferentz talk in the weeks to come. But when I think about kind of moving forward and what Iowa needs, Sean, I think they need a wide receivers coach slash offensive coordinator. I think that's the route they need to go because that means they understand the wide receiver position at an elite level and they can come up with route trees and come up with passing concepts or even a wide receivers coach and a passing game coordinator, just something. And, Again, Kirk's going to have to lay off. And the reality is, do you know how much of a career booster that would be if you're the guy who goes and fixes Iowa's offense? Like, that can make your career. And I think that will be a pitch that will be interesting to see if Iowa tries to utilize to if they end up calling a Ryan Grubb from Washington, who's a Kingsley, Iowa native. If they call up, you know, some other maybe elite head coach that's at a mid-major right now with where the Big Ten's heading. Like there's a definite power dynamic there where a lot of those head coaches, Sean, they may see that as promotion, just getting in the Big Ten and being a coordinator. And you, get, you mentioned it, Kirk's very connected. Uh, but the reality, too, is at the same time, Iowa's going to have to be willing to shell out some big dollars for an offensive coordinator if they want to come to University of Iowa. And the other thing is you better make Phil Parker happy. You better give Phil Parker a same raise or even a little bit more money. Because you Except cannot Wallace hire too. an outside guy. Yep, I think I think that's Calvin the only thing. You can do. Even honestly, Lavar Woods, like defense and special teams coaches. What would you uh, think about Lavar Woods as offensive coordinator? I don't think Kirk would ever do it because Lavar is so valuable in special teams and he's been so great at it. But you talk about the most innovative coach on the staff. In my opinion, that's Lavar Woods. 
Yeah, but I mean, at what point are you gonna? Who are you gonna bring in for special teams? That's that's what I'm that's saying. I just don't know. If, yeah, I think you know John Bodmer's been a name that's been thrown around for the OC job, and you know I don't know if that's going to be it. Um, I think a lot of people think that Iowa will hire externally, but also internally feels you know like a like a common trend. Um, I mean, if you look at the running back position, like look at the last, the two new, the two newest additions to the coaching staff, Liddell Betts and Abdul Hodge. Yes, they weren't yep. internal, but where'd they play college football at? Iowa. Yep. Yes, John Budmeyer played at Wisconsin, but you know, he's on the staff now. George Barnett obviously is an exception. He, yep was, you know, at, at a couple max schools and then at Tulane. Um I don't remember well, yeah, this exactly, I, but didn't they didn't they have a similar connection through Joe Moore? With Barnett? Yes. And that's how Kirk Sounds and Barnett right. I, I think that was the case, but I, I would need to double check that. It's been a long couple of days, so I, my brain's probably not working hundred percent efficiency right now. Uh, but we got plenty of time to talk about the Brian Ferentz, where the offense needs to go. But felt it was important to kind of dissect some of the comments today from Kirk. I don't even want to really speculate on his future at this point. I think it's something to keep track of. But Kirk's always pretty well thought out. He's not going to do anything in the heat of the moment. And that's why I, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to dive into this is Kirk's last year, just based off his reaction today. And he was he was pissy, but and I'm not saying he didn't have a right to be. I mean, it's his son. He's going to be emotional. And he was doing very, very well trying to hide it. But it became clear after about 10 minutes when he was like, all right, well, we could talk about the game. Like, Kirk tried very hard to undersell the story. It's obviously a huge story. It's been a huge story across college football. Uh, but we'll have more content from that on HawkeyeInsider.com. So David Eichel, Sean Bach. We will be back soon to break down whatever happens against Northwestern. Because guess what? There's a football game still this weekend. Uh, but we'll see if, if Iowa's offense decides to throw it against the wall, just, just let it rip. See if the Deacon Hill just starts throwing those deep passes. I, I think it'll be more of the same, but we'll, uh, we'll check it out. So again, HawkeyeInsider.com, 60% off of VIP membership, and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.